So the big question is this. How do married entrepreneurs like us who have decades of business building experience, how do we break through common communication, productivity, and profitability barriers all while living powerfully in sync? That's the big question, and this podcast is the answer. You see, even if just one of you is called to entrepreneurship, the family is called to entrepreneurship. No, the goal is not the almighty dollar. We're aiming for the almighty impact. What's up? This is O.L. and Sway Buckley. Welcome to the Married Preneur Life Podcast. Marriage Marketplace Ministry. Let's go. Hey, everybody. What's up? Yes. So, uh, O.L. and Sway Buckley here. This is Mary Pinot Life Podcast. This is episode one. And I want to tell you guys a little bit about us and tell you how we got here. Yeah. So, where are we going to start from? So, how do we get here, sweethearts? We're both asking each other the same question. (laughs) Well, let's just start from here. After 10 10 years of knowing each other, uh, finally getting married. Yeah. 10 years of knowing each other. I've been married now for eight years and some change. As of today. And some change. Yeah. And so... Um, after, well, let's talk about when we were married, I was already, um, working in full-time entrepreneurship with my company and you, sir, were... Yeah, I was working at the bank. I was, um, doing business banking and then transitioning into wealth management. It was a pretty awesome time, but mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting. I think it's noteworthy to mention mm-hmm. that you actually started your business when you were a sophomore in college. Yes. Actually, that was my second business. My first business I started when I was, uh, 16. 16, I started a little tutoring company and then... Um, moved to Texas. Uh, and the tutoring company did all right, didn't it? Yeah, I have my little clients, you know, I have a little car, a little going to the little clients' houses and whatnot. I 15, mean, I 16 said, years I said, old with no, no bills? 16, because I, I have my license. 16 with no bills? Yes, no, well, yeah, I have a cell phone bill, I guess, but maybe I didn't. I, I had a cell phone, but I don't know if I paid Just not the money. major stuff, you weren't yeah. paying rent or nothing. So. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so yeah, I had that and then moved off to, um, to college and then started my creative arts staffing firm, which funded my undergrad tuition, which everybody say amen for that. Now that would be a whole nother, uh, that should be a whole nother episode, a very interesting story just about how you were able to really use um, your skills to really get your way through college and mm-hmm. get it to way or get through it with um, little to no debt. So that's very, yes. that's very cool. But yeah, I think it's very important to mention that you started your business long before I did. Right. Um, and so when we got married, we sort of had two different mindsets, two different approaches yes, to things. Um, I was very much used to trading time for dollars very much mm-hmm. uh, um, in the employee space and mm-hmm. you were in the employer space. Mm-hmm. And so when we got married, we had two different mindsets. And yep. so it's interesting because you had stepped away. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say stepped away, but you were doing a lot of dancing at one right. point, and so your right. business had sort of hit a plateau, right? Right. Well, yeah, because um, as a dance major, I went on to continue dancing professionally after college, and then moved back to New York. And um, from there, I had my business. It was based in Texas, as you know, and um, I, I didn't mind it plateauing. I just wanted to, to have. To have one, I, need, I needed to have some type of income. So right. while I was um, dancing in in New York, and so um, you know, after that we came, I came back, got we got married, and that's when I really start working on rebuilding or building it again from mm-hmm. where where we were since I was back, uh, just in a different lifestyle. You know, married wife and back in the suburbs, I guess, and the newness of life, the all newness those of life, yeah. Things. Um, but I know this: once we got married, I was like, listen. My prayer was, Lord, it would be so amazing that one day when I saw that couple. Remember one time we saw a couple where I was, I was driving, I was riding with you to work. Um, 
And then we saw a couple walking outside, holding hands in the morning, going for a morning stroll. And I was like, that's what I want. I want that right there. I want us to be able to get up in the middle of the day, no matter like what's going on, um, and just have the freedom. Not that we had to do it, but have mm-hmm. the freedom to get up and like go to the park and walk to the walk to the park that was right across the street from us. And I remember asking myself at that time, like, well, what does success look like to me? In that time, it was like this is what success would look like for us to get to that place where we could both have that time freedom in our own lives and our running our own businesses, whatever that was, whatever that looked like. I didn't know. I really didn't care. I just knew I wanted that final outcome, which was the time freedom. And lo and behold, I think it was that same day that we saw that, or maybe it was like the next day. That's when you called me early in the morning and it was like, yeah, so this is the point. This is the point where, um, we skipped so, a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, we skipped a, a whole lot of I stuff. I mean, because right you there. did amazing things within banking. We didn't talk about your background in banking and the awards and going to Spain and yeah, sending so that, us, you know, based on your sales uh, and all that stuff. You did amazing. Let me see if I can give them a, a really I mean, quick flash reel of that. So basically, right before I got into banking, I sort of had this um, quote unquote midlife crisis. I turned 30 and I realized at 30 that, is that my midlife? life. Oh my goodness. Whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, goodness. I just what remember, I just remember um, hitting, this, hitting this point at 30. Where um, I had just came to the place where I was like, you know what? Things in the music business were not working out for me. And I think I should mention, you know, but prior to that, uh, I did have a record deal. I was a DJ. I was on tour doing things like that. And even was on a regional show there in Dallas uh, with Mark Cuban. And that was really, really cool. And so I got a lot of exposure to a lot of things, got to meet a lot of different people. But I was like really kind of like reckless when it came to my money. So I was literally spending it almost as fast as I was getting it. Mm. And I came to a point when I turned 30 that everything that I've been working up to, I felt like my life was just in this almost point, this almost phase. So mm. like I almost made it, almost went to the next level, almost this, almost that. And I just came to the point where I said, you know what? It's not really working the way that I want it to work. I'm not really seeing the kind of fruit that I really, really want to see. Mm-hmm. And I felt like my life was just on this treadmill. Mm-hmm. I was running hard, running fast, but wasn't really gaining any ground. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing was, of course, you know, at that time, I had eight years of dreadlocks on my head. And they didn't know that. They, no, didn't, didn't. they didn't know that. Yeah. So, <laughs> now so, y'all know. So um, the only thing I could think to do was just like start with like changing my image. Now, you know, some people, they go out and get a nose ring, they get a tattoo and get a Harley. But for me, it was like, I'm going to cut my hair. And it was cheaper than a Harley. It was a whole lot cheaper and cheaper than a tattoo as well. Than a tattoo, and yeah. so I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and cut my hair. And I sort of felt like, you know, like India Ari, you know, like I am not my hair. And it, it's funny because after eight years of wearing your hair like that, you get defined in that way. Can I explain? Can I interject really quickly? So y'all, y'all have to envision all this hair on this man's head. His he had more hair than I did, and his hair was so long that I could tuck his locks in his back pocket, like all facts. I promise you. So just imagine, this is a very drastic change. Yes, point well made, and it was a big deal. Yeah, it was. What was funny was I thought it was going to be a really big deal to me, and it was. But it seemed like it was even a bigger deal to like different people, like in my family. Everybody was like, "No, you're not doing this," and I was like something's got to give. And so I, so anyway, it started with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went from basically having long locks to, um, looking like John L John legend on, on his first album. So, um, <laughs> got it. so at any rate, so I ended up doing that and I just started wanting a change in my life. I remember I got my own apartment, at, um, my other apartment at this time, cause I'd been through like multiple evictions. I had multiple repossessions, and, and I girl, got your girl was with you the whole time. And you rolled with me. You showed that you rolled with me when I, mean, I I never lived with you, but 
Yeah. We wouldn't be we'd be homeless <laughs> if I was <laughs> No question no. about it. No. <laughs> or just shy of it. No, so, I have my own time. Um so yeah, so like even with I was working at the gas station, I was working at Costco, I was driving right. a taxi cab, it was all kind of crazy odd jobs. Right. So I cut my hair and then I go to That's uh, all at one time. You need to explain that. Yeah, that was this all, all in one time. time, all within like weeks of each <laughs> Not other. Not back to back. It was just like all at one time working three jobs. Totally. Then we go to that birthday party. We meet a friend of yours or a mutual friend of ours. She's like, hey, I really think you should get into banking. To make a long story short, I ended up getting into banking. Now here I am wearing suits. Now here I am. Brooks Brothers. I got a, like, oh. I got a dry cleaning bill, which I like never had before because it was either you know jeans, T-shirts, and Tim's. Right. So now I have a dry cleaning bill. And life is really different for me. So I got my own apartment. This is my like third apartment on my own mm -hmm. and um i'm starting to get some stability into my life i ended up getting well i ended up working for cbs um radio selling airtime and i was an account exec there then first. i went into first right yeah. then i went into banking got into banking and it was like things just started to really 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 take off in and, a big way in a major way and so what i did was i spent time in my apartment no cable uh no internet um i had a bed um, I had a TV that I bought you one year for your birthday years prior. And I moved to New York. And you moved to New York. I had your DVD player and so both of those were sitting furniture. on the floor. <laughs> no furniture. And um, I had a um, card table with a fold-out chair and that was like my dining room table and my draft table and my work table and my study table and everything else. So I ended up um, being in this apartment with literally no internet, no cable. And all I did was buy books. Now, this was before Borders went out of business. So I was buying books, like books galore. And I was just reading, 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 reading and consuming things. Mm -hmm. And started flourishing in financial services. Things really got big, got promoted, moved up, started getting licensed, selling investments, um, all that stuff. And it's kind of crazy because I did all that two years of college. Barely two years of college. Barely. And, um, yeah, so it was just interesting. Everybody I was working with was like an MBA or something like that. And it was just so cool because when we first got married... Um, that was before we got married. You need to make that plain too. Yeah, all this, all happened, this happened before, before we got married. married. So yeah. When we finally got married, um, what ended up happening was I ended up getting a letter from corporate saying, hey, it looks like I'm in a running for this major, major award that's going to be on an international level. Long story short. They for sales. For, yeah. So they flew us to... Spain, put us up in Barcelona. Um, I mean, just the works, just the works. Needless to say, you got the award. Got the award, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Came back, supposed to get promoted, started getting headhunted from other banks, left one bank, went to another bank, was there for like 10 months, hated the technology. Um, great company, just really, really poor technology. Mm -hmm. And so got really, really frustrating. Then ended up going to another bank that had been sort of courting me for like a year, did that, was flourishing there, make a long story short, and maybe we do another episode for this one, but ended up getting fired. Now, here's what's funny. Isn't that crazy? Not fired for doing a bad job or because I did anything bad. Fired because actually I was doing too good of a job. Apparently, some things that I was doing in the way of sales were too ambitious and it started to encroach on another department or a whole other line of business, which was 
their line of business to do. And I was sort of overstepping my bounds. I didn't realize it, but I was overstepping my bounds. So I was told to cease and desist. You were just trying to help the business. I was trying to help the bank. The bank get yeah, some more business. Get some more business and do what was right for my customers and do what was right for my clients. And so I've always been a champion of the client when it came to the financial services industry. I don't believe in, I never believed in people getting anything that they didn't need, but getting what was right for them in that season to really help them get to the next level. So that's always been my approach. Then I get terminated. Um, and it's so on my 90th day, on my 90th day, how ironic, right? On my 90th day, but was so crazy. I started working on a project like a whole year earlier that had nothing to do with the bank. That was sort of just like me trying to help somebody out. It ended up turning into like a business deal. After I got fired, Mm -hmm. I call you, of course they did it like first thing in the morning. I call you and I'm like, sweetheart, you're not going to believe this. I call you and I was... I was both lit yes. and livid. Yeah. Now, this, mind you, pause. Um, this was like right around that time. That I feel like it was that same morning or at least that same week when I saw that couple walking outside when we were, I was riding with you to work in the morning um, to the job. And I was like, man, God, I just really, I'm really looking forward to that one day. We can just like go for a walk in the middle of the day. So I'm thinking, when you call me, I'm just like, oh, wow. Okay, but. You do need to interject this, though. I feel like that third, right before you went to that third bank, we were, like, deciding, we are praying about if you should even go to that bank. And I was, because you knew. There's a lot of back and forth. Well, you knew transition was was nigh, right? And transition in the sense of going into full-time entrepreneurship. And um, I remember so, because even the second bank that you left, the first bank you left, you went to the next bank. We were like, okay. Are you going to, you're going to go to this bank? So, you know, something needs to be changing soon. You're That's like, when we yeah. laid in bed and we recorded that video. No, no. It was a, then after the second one, going to the third one, I'm like, okay. Now I'm like, and you said, I know, I know, I know. I said, you said, you know, I know, I know, I know the first time that you transitioned to another bank. Now we're going to the third bank and you keep saying like, I know, I know I'm supposed to be doing full time, you know, entrepreneurship. I'm supposed to take the leap. And I'm like, this dude, he ain't going to leap. So I said, well, what I'm going to do, since you know so much. You're going to, rec- we're going to record you saying, and I think you put, we put a time limit on it. As a point of accountability. Yes. To say, yep. okay, I know I'm not supposed to be at this bank, which was the third bank, mm-hmm. however long, and I'm going to, this is, this will be my last bank that I work at before, work at before going to full-time entrepreneurship. 90 days later. Boom. Boom. The axe drop. Yes, So is. here's what was so funny. A lot of people talk about, you know, the Steve Harvey story, you know, when he talks about you got to jump, you got to take the leap, you got to jump. I didn't jump. I mm-hmm. was literally pushed. He was kicked so out. I, so it's funny because jumping is different from being pushed. And that's a whole other conversation. We'll probably do another episode on that. Another episode on that. But yeah. I was literally um, pushed off the edge. Yeah. And I had no other choice but to literally grow my wings. But what was so funny was the things that I was working on, not really pursuing but sort of opportunities that sort of came my way but i didn't shrink back that's right and i stepped up to it and even though some of the stuff was like really beyond um my experience beyond my background i never said no i said yes and then i just like sweated bullets mm-hmm. to figure out how was i going to figure it out to, del- to de- deliver yeah so after doing that um it was so crazy because like not long like i think maybe a couple of months after mm-hmm. i was um let go, that deal came through and it was enough for us to right live on for on time. Like for like four to five months. Yes. So it was crazy just the timing. So I think a couple of things You wrote your book too around that time. I wrote my book around that time. A couple of things I want to point out. Mm-hmm. Um just as principles and takeaway for all of you all who are listening to this and whether you jumped, whether you're thinking about jumping or you're about to be pushed or you got kicked off whatever kicked off the edge. Or you're just already out be, there. Or you're just already out there. We talking number, to you. Number one <laughs> um 
waste no experience. And when an opportunity comes to you, even if it may stretch you, even if it may not be something that is immediately in your wheelhouse, more times than not, say yes. Yeah, yeah. Say yes, and you will find a way to rise yeah. to the occasion. That's, that's number one. That's say yes and rise to the occasion. Number two. What is it? I would so encourage you to, if you feel the prompting to do something now, mm-hmm. do it. Because you have no idea what you're being set up for to do or how it's going to benefit you down the road. Sometimes it's like God will have you really prompt you to do something now for something that's going to happen six months from now. But you don't know what that is. That's so true. And so when when courage intersects with opportunity or when preparation intersects with opportunity, amazing things happen. That's right. So don't just brush it off and be like, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but you brush it off for like two months, three months, six months. No, move with a sense of urgency, even if you don't know why you're doing that's it. Right. And yeah. um, that's really what happened when I was writing the book. Mm-hmm. I felt the prompt to write the book like years prior, ended up writing the book. Long story short, by the time I ended up leaving um, or getting let go from the bank, we had that opportunity to come through that husband, major deal. Husband, you should... Plug them real quick. PaydayProverbs.com. PaydayProverbs.com. Yeah. Yes, PaydayProverbs.com. That's the book I work. PaydayProverbs.com. 31 Keys to Overcoming Paycheck to Paycheck Living. Mm-hmm. And so wrote that book right after I got let go. The major real estate deal closed. Boom, I get my commission from an opportunity that felt made me feel like I was so unqualified. But I stepped up. I said yes, and I stepped up. And then with the book, I ended up being able to do more speaking, led to other open doors, do some coaching, some coaching huge, and training. Um, a huge sale after that. Like, it was a huge group sale. Remember a right after? huge yes, group sale. I remember that. That was amazing. Um, and they ended up ordering, like, oh, I don't even no. remember. It was like boxes of it. It was boxes and like, boxes what? and boxes. I had to make yeah. a major order. Make a long story short. So, you know... Say yes when opportunities arise mm-hmm. and then rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I would just say. That's the third you f- thing. You already said two. Oh, I did? Mm-hmm. All right. Number three. Say yes, rise to the occasion. Number two, move with the prompting. Mm-hmm. Number three. What was number three? Oh, I thought you were about to say a number three. You don't have a number three? Number one and two are dope. Yeah. I mean, they're I pretty cool. I would just full. stick with those. Yeah, those are good. So I think we should bring them up to to date now so between my business which well businesses i have the creative art staffing firm and a consultancy for uh entrepreneur women creative entrepreneur women mm-hmm. and then your business yes yeah, so co-own a real estate company uh and also have my own financial education company mm-hmm. and of course uh do a ton of speaking right so with those things um, and then you're doing some corporate things as well. Yes, too. corporate consulting so as well. With those things, we've had clients on both ends, but clients on your end and clients on my end that came have come to us or they started coming a couple years back saying, Okay, we want what you have and we want what your spouse has, but we I want to do it with my spouse with you. We want you two to train or coach us together. Yes. Right? And it was often other married couples who were already in business or who were about to take that leap and they really wanted both of us. And at first like all truth all with all transparency we were like no that's not what we do yeah because you do what you do i do what i do we have two different llc's like pick one that's it that's what it is he has his packages i have mine that's what it is right totally and then we got um more and more people (laughs) coming we're like you know what we need to really listen to the market and really look and think further into i'm helping other married couples this is a whole nother 
whole nother group of folks, right? And so we decided, we said, you know what? And we felt that release after we prayed about it and said, should we just do this? Should we go for it? And we did. And so this is what Marriedpreneur Life is all about. We are really, uh, Marriedpreneurs are really about living powerfully in sync and building amazing businesses that help shape the future and impact other lives. So that's what we're about here. And we want to encourage you all along the journey as well. And um, not just about it's not just about making money for money's sake but really having a great impact with the money um, and what the purpose that you all are created to to walk in together so one of the things that we're focusing on our next big project is um, building water wells in west africa so Definitely. we'll keep you all posted on that but you know we encourage other marriages other married especially those who are her call to entrepreneurship no matter where you are on that journey just to to really realign um, with each other and whether it's one person in business or both spouses in business either way the the family one person one spouse is called to entrepreneurship we the believe, whole house is called yes the whole house is called to entrepreneurship because it impacts everybody everybody connected to you is impacted by your business especially your family so this is what this is about making sure we keep first things first prioritize our priorities as we build together yep so there you have it there you have it all right so Fresh listen the gate. um guys this is so amazing we're so um excited about kicking off this session and bringing great great value to you guys so we want to make sure that number one go ahead and click subscribe yes go ahead and do that if you haven't already come on y'all Yep, go ahead and click subscribe. And while you're at it, if you like this, go ahead and press five stars. That would be amazing. Come through. Come through. And then come through with a review. How about that? <laughs> How about Ricky, that? Ricky, Ricky. that that's All right, Chuck. <laughs> yes, leave us a comment. Leave us a review. We will read each and every one of them. We're so excited and honored to be here and uh, to share with you along the journey. All right, peace, y'all. Peace out. Want more winning tips for your marriedpreneur life? If so, then go get your copy of our free Marriedpreneur Life Quick Start Guide. You can grab your free guide at M as in married, L as in life, quickstart.com. Inside this guide, you'll find our top 15 systems and processes that we've used to grow our multiple businesses as well as help countless marriedpreneurs kickstart and scale their vision to lead purposeful and profitable lives. We are marriedpreneurs living powerfully in sync and building amazing businesses that shape the future.